Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season to all of you this Friday, January the 14th. We gather this next hour around the inspired and true Word of God, and we see Christ, our light and our life. And this light and life shines on us today from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus continues to, uh, well, he keeps healing. He keeps teaching. He keeps speaking these words and, and showing us that he has authority over everything. And it makes me realize when you look back in the Sermon on the Mount and how it ends, for the people were amazed by him. They're like, who is this guy? For he was teaching as one who had authority, not as their scribes. Excuse me. And this is something which reminds me, just, okay, Jesus has authority over all things. And what does this mean for them? And what does it mean for us? That's what we'll dig into today as we once again look at his word. For the gifts are ready, ready for you. As KFU always, Christ for you anytime, anywhere, it has been such a joy this past year. January 7th, a week ago, was my one-year anniversary. And so I wanted to hear from who is all listening out there. We want to hear from you, so send us an email, or email kfuo at kfuo.org. Tell us where you're listening from, how long you've been listening, and if you want to, you can use the KFUO app and use the open mic portion on that application. So just give us a call or send us an email to tell us where you're listening from. We've heard from people from Ohio, Illinois, Missouri, Wisconsin, um, uh, what's the other, Hawaii, and Oregon, and even Sri Lanka. All of these individuals, even if you've written in before and told us where you're listening from, send it again this year. What a joy it is to know that it's not just one little area, but it is around the world proclaiming God's word. And today, as we are looking at God's word, helping us to be strengthened by that same word, we welcome for the first time Pastor John Zimmerman of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and St. John's Lutheran Church in Pittston, Pennsylvania. Pastor Zimmerman, happy Epiphany, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Pastor Finneran, it's a joy to be with you this day, and congratulations on your one year of helping with the ministry at KFUO, and ongoing blessings on that and your church in Minnesota. Thank you very much. Yeah, and, and here's another highlight today. You are the first guest in over, I've known this for a year. I know before they've had guests like this, but you are the first one from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What do you think of that? It is an honor to represent <laughs> the, the brothers of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And uh, for the listeners, uh, just a little fun factoid of our Missouri Synod. We have four districts represented in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Here I'm on the eastern edge of the Eastern District in Scranton. Uh, we have the English District, uh, one of our non-geographic districts, and then the SELC, the second non-geographic district, and also the southeastern district down there by York on the border of Maryland. So oh my. it's a, a joy to uh, greet you uh, on behalf of everyone out here on the east side. Uh, it's a joy to be with you this day. Well, thank you very much. You know, I could, I'm probably going to have to move aside a lot of my office jokes because you're in Scranton, Pennsylvania. You know, like for <laughs> yeah. Christmas, you know, you don't give anything away but coal. Like that's one of the things you do there. Um, but anyways, tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Emmanuel and St. John's. Oh, well, yeah, we, uh, we get a lot of those office jokes, you know, back when I was placed here. I said, my, my call came with a theme song, so that's, 
That's pretty good, pretty good. But uh, real quick about me, uh, I mean, baptized child of God, first and foremost. Uh, it's a joy to be a third-generation Missouri Synod pastor. I was actually born on my dad's vicarage in suburban Chicago. I uh, got to graduate from Concordia Lutheran High School there in Fort Wayne, Indiana, while he was uh, working on staff there at the seminary. I um, went to Ivy Tech Community College there before going up to our Concordia in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, then I dabbled in higher education for a little bit. I like college, so I stuck around it, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, I was a graduate teaching assistant, a TA, if you would, uh, for short, uh, helping with the public speaking course at Central Michigan University before dabbling in admissions uh, in Illinois, helping students and families work through that process of coming from high school and community college to the university. Um, most recently, Western Illinois University, before I enrolled at the Fort Wayne Seminary. For, for fun, I've been a sports official in basketball, volleyball, and slow pitch softball. And while in seminary, I had field work in Northwest Ohio, uh, great folks at Sherwood. And then my vicarage year, I mean, you know well, you've done one, that one year residency internship. Uh, mine was Norman, Oklahoma. So I got the Dodge Hailstones and Tornadoes that year mm. by God's grace. And the folks at Trinity are just a loving congregation out there, thankful for their support during that year. And then in 2016, I was uh, completed the residential seminary program, got the Master of Divinity done at Fort Wayne. And I was ordained and then sent out here to Scranton, Pennsylvania. And it's a joy to be here at Emmanuel Lutheran Church. We're 125 years old here now. And then a year in, I got asked to be that vacancy pastor at St. John Pittston, you referred to in the introduction. And that's only about 20 minutes down the line here in our metropolitan area. And it's there that uh, I was blessed to meet my bride, Krista. And she was actually a member of another church in Wilkes-Barre, and they were helping with a combined youth group to keep the mission going. And the Lord blessed us in marriage in 2018, and I'm very thankful the Lord let us meet, and He continued to bless us in our, our marriage to one another. And then added to the church duties, uh, about two months ago, I picked up a second vacancy out here, uh, a few minutes up the road in Dixon City, where we meet at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So it's a pretty busy Sunday out here. we got 8 o'clock uh, divine service at Pittston, then I hop in a truck and come back up for 10, 15 at Emmanuel, then we have a Bible class following most weeks. Then after a lunch, a nap, hopefully, and maybe a little walk, then you go up to Dixon City for the 4 o'clock service. As you know, pastors only work on Sundays, right? So it's a nice full day. But uh, we pray for the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his field and for congregations to walk together. And uh, we'll, we'll cover that with our reading at the back end today. And uh, it's actually been pretty interesting, uh, speaking of the back end of earthly life, uh, I've been tasked with helping over 60 funerals and burials in five and a half years out here in a context that has less than 100 attending Sunday services regularly. So we continue to proclaim Christ's victory over death and the grave and the joy to share that gospel onward uh, to those who would hear it. Thank you, Pastor, for... Um showing that to us as a reminder for us and reminder for you, our listeners, to continue to pray for different parts of the country, obviously the world as well, where you're hearing of different ministry opportunities. One of them is funerals, where you were able to proclaim, like he said, the victory over death by our Lord Jesus 
and the hope that we have in this world, the, the trail of tears is what we often will say. And then also to kind of be in an area where, yeah, the workers are, uh, are neat. Uh, the, the work is plentiful, but the, the, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so as, as pastor has three churches under his belt to, to serve, pray for church pastors of multiple churches and the balancing act they do and the proclamation that they give. And pastor, today we are looking at Matthew chapter 9. And so I wanted to do this. If you could start in prayer, and then what I'll do is I'll read our, all of our verses today and then come back around and look for some major themes and thoughts. But can you begin our time in prayer? Of course. And uh, a wonderful hymn of the church, Lord, keep us steadfast in thy word. Let us pray. Lord, keep us steadfast in thy word. Curb those who feign by craft and sword. Would wrest the kingdom from thy son and set it not all he hath done. Lord Jesus Christ, thy power make known, for thou art Lord of lords alone. Defend thy Christendom that we may evermore sing praise to thee. O comforter of priceless worth, send peace and unity on earth. Support us in our final strife and lead us out of death to life. Amen. Amen. Reminder to listeners, if you have any questions concerning our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. And, and also, as we look at this, um, I wanted to, we have been going through a lot of healings, looking at a lot of the text. And so what I like to do is read verses 32 through 38, and then come back and get some major themes as we look at this, along with context of chapters 8 and 9. We are reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, Matthew chapter 9, beginning at verse 32. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. The crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. These are our words today, or the word of God for us this morning. Pastor, everything happens in a context. So how do you want to begin to make sure we start off on the right foot? Well, in your introduction, you highlighted that we were coming after the Sermon on the Mount. And I think it'd be good to, to see the ending of that and then kind of walk through eight and nine a little bit of the miracles and then get into our reading for today. And, you know, when we're, when we're in the Sermon on the Mount, we hear this teaching from Jesus there in chapter 7, uh, verses 24 through 29. And Jesus taught, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And that's such a foundational verse we have, right? You know, build your, your faith on the rock of Christ, right? And then the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on that rock there in 25. And then you have the antonym of that, the opposite in 26 and 27. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. 
and the rains fell and the floods came. Winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. We do well to heed the warnings of Jesus when he says, don't hear my words and not do them. I know that hear my words and build on my words. And, uh, you know, the word is the foundation we have. And then you get that two verse summary of St. Matthew of verses 28 and 29 at the end of seven. And when Jesus finished these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now, a brief word study, astonished. That's a word we don't use that often. Right? So it's good to define it, right? So astonished means amazed or surprised or, or filled with the emotional impact of overwhelming surprise or shock even, right? They're, wow, like, whoa, this is not normal teaching. It's not, it's not like one of their scribes who, like us pastors, you know, we quote Bible all the time, right? You and I speak with the authority of Jesus, not our own authority when we're preaching and teaching. But here you have the one with ultimate authority sending it out there, and they were astonished at his teaching. When we deal with the authority of Jesus, we must remember Jesus is God. Again, he's not some scribe that's quoting the Old Testament and making a sermon at a synagogue. As I often repeat in Bible class and sermons, we have to get this thought into our heads. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, has been active throughout the Old Testament time as he's eternal. Right? We have that confession in John 1. He was in the beginning. Through him, through the word, through Jesus, everything was made. So we're dealing with ultimate authority here. And then one more context from John, and I'll kind of stop here for a moment. Remember what Jesus said about his timeline with Abraham during that testy exchange in John chapter 8. This is verses 57 through 59. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Mm. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And then what was their reaction in verse 59? They picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So while we're hanging in St. Matthew's Gospel account during this study, you've been going through uh, several weeks so far, we know that there are four Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each one, by the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, brings their flavor to the scene. But I thought it was good to go over to John chapter 8 with that authority, with that issue, with talking about Abraham. Before Abraham was, I am. Mm. This is ultimate authority. This is God in the flesh is here. So, um, so that's that context at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And so his, his full authority is on full display in the famous teachings of the Sermon on the Mount. And I'd encourage the listeners to click on the archives and listen to these sections from Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then going forward, if for a little more context, I thought it might be good if we can walk through this together if you want. As one looks at the editor's titles, remember the editor's titles in our Bibles weren't there, right? The numbers weren't there, and the little headers weren't either. <laughs> but if you go through chapter 8 and 9, you know, just look at the number of healings that were happening. It's another way of Jesus showing his authority by the miracles of 
showing his power over matter, his power over light. So perhaps we can take a little look through there together, sir. Yes, yeah, so let's, let's do this. I encourage our listeners, open up your Bibles, go to, um, if you haven't already, obviously, but Matthew 8. Let's start with Matthew 8. And what I'm hearing you say, Pastor, is you kind of would just go through the headings and this is very helpful because this is something we've been doing, and this is why we're slowly going through Matthew all the way to the resurrection of Jesus. Because I, I know many times it's like, I'm going to do three chapters a day, and you just plow through it. and go, Oh, man, I did it. But here, slow down, you know, Holy Spirit help us. Look at the headings and just like, okay, what is the theme here? So go ahead, Pastor. I like how, what we're doing, slowing down, going back to chapter 8. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Finner. And so we are at chapter 8 in that first first verse, right? Jesus is cleansing a leper when he came down from the mountain. Those great crowds followed him, right? So he heals this leper. And then you have the healing of the centurion's servant. With that great statement of Jesus, uh, talking about the faith of that centurion, right? Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And then Jesus goes on to teach about how people will come from all over the world and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the joy of the gospel is going to go out. It's going to keep going. And then another healing, a very important person, St. Peter's mother-in-law. Right? Jesus heals her. And then what does she do? She goes and you know, waits on them. And then you have this catch-all verse of 8.16. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took on illnesses and bore our diseases. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many miracles going on, you can't record them all. It reminds me of the end of John, not to go there again, but when uh, the, the blessed apostle says, you know, if, I, if everything could be written down in, in the book, I don't think, you know, books could contain all that the that Jesus had done. Mm-hmm. i paraphrasing that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then going forward, uh, here at verse 23, as we follow um, the ESV here, you have the calming of the storm with Jesus on board with his disciples. So not only is he just dealing with diseases, he's controlling weather now. Whoa! Not <laughs> quite the scene. And then he heals two men with demons. I'm not going to go too fast, but I mean, just for context for today. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you've walked through this with your, your guests before. And then you end chapter 8 with healing the two men with demons. And then if you're following the Lutheran Study Bible, if, you, if people have that from Concordia Publishing House, on you know, page 1596 is a handy chart of the miracles of Jesus. you got 36 miracles recorded. Um, and, of course, that summary from John 2030. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of disciples, which are not written in this book. Right, these are, mm. these are you know, chief ones recorded for us. So now we're in chapter 9, and that's where we're going to be spending the rest of our time together today. So Jesus heals a paralytic. And I love that episode there at the start of chapter 9. Because he tells the man that his sins are forgiven before healing him. Yeah, yeah. Of the dreaded disability of not being able to walk, right? He gets that opportunity to deal with some of the scribes. And we're going to deal with the scribes and Pharisees. And what do the scribes say there? This man's blaspheming. Right, you already got the conflict happening, right? And of course, Jesus doesn't leave the paralytic man hanging. No, he goes, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he does so immediately, right? There's no stop at rehab. 
I mean, how many pastors and, and, and loved ones do we stop by, you know, our, our, our members and, and family members at, at, at rehab, you know, they had a, had surgery and then maybe in the next two to six weeks, they get better. No, when Jesus heals, it's immediate. It's full. Hmm. And, and these reports are going throughout the region. I mean, it can't stop. But before we get ahead of ourselves a little too far, it is good to stop at that call of Matthew at verse 13, that good teaching from Jesus, for he came not to call the righteous, but sinners. It's a great reminder for us, dear sinners, that are redeemed by Jesus. He came to call you. Right? We know we need help. But So Jesus isn't asking you to be holy. He makes you holy. Right? You know, you can't do it on your own. You need him. That's some 200-proof gospel right there in Matthew 9, 13. Mm. Again, Jesus is here to teach and reach with his word and his gospel, not just do miracles. But we'll get that a little later as well. And then a few more miracles to highlight in chapter 9 as we kind of do this buzz by. Then you have the ruler coming in to Jesus, with that tremendous statement of faith and the power of Jesus to heal. And he says, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And then you have the craziness in the meantime, that poor woman with a discharge of blood for a dozen years, for 12 years. She goes, if only I touch his garment, I will be made well. And again, there in verses 18 and following, you have the instant healing. No stopover at rehab. It's taken care of. And then a final miracle before our reading for today, Jesus healing two blind men. And know how he tells them to tell no one, but the word about him keeps spreading throughout the region. Right? So the authority of Jesus and his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, now his authority and having control over life on earth and diseases and, and demons, that's getting out, all word of mouth, and it is flowing, and it is going fast. So like you said, well, Pastor Finner, we, we, we don't just look at the Bible in a vacuum, right? There's this context that's going on around it. So let me ask, let me ask you this as we look at, at these chapters. I saw it pointed that today's reading is really the end of Jesus's ministry of deeds, which I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's a good title for it or not. If, if you were to have a title, what you just reviewed with us, um, do you have like a, a, a slogan or a title or a, a, I don't know, uh, a, a <laughs> words that you would, you would kind of put all that together into one, maybe nice little statement. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. Well, yeah, I mean, something I mean, on the fly and not inspired. <laughs> right. But the, the, you know, it's, it's, it's Jesus teaching and healing. Because then, as we know, after our reading, those are following the Bible, you have the calling of the 12 disciples, right. And then it kind of, makes a, a change. But I mean here you've had what four no, five, six, seven, eight, nine, five, five. So you gotta count them out some we're pastors here, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. five chapters of the twenty eighth of Matthew, this 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 discourse section here of his teaching and healing. And I think that's a, a good summary right there. Oh. Maybe not pissy enough for Facebook, but it'll work. <laughs> it will work. It would fit. It would fit in the Twitter account nowadays. I think we're okay. <laughs> I think we're okay. Yeah. And it sure. and I, I like how you keep emphasizing this understanding of Jesus's authority that they could tell 
that he had at least more authority. And for us from the outside, you know, looking, <clears throat> looking back as we see the whole story, we know he has all authority over everything, all creation, even the storms. Um, you know, he can control the weather. We can't control the weather. Um, he, control, he can heal instantly as opposed to needing a physical therapist. All of these things shows that he has full authority, but that's not, um, how do you say it? The, the healing is not like his main gig. I mean, he, he doesn't heal absolutely everybody. He doesn't do all those things, but the gospel continues to move forward. So, Pastor, we look at these words today. Any any last thoughts before we dig in? Uh, well, just a reminder there, okay, highlighting the miracles of Jesus on page 1596 of the Lutheran mm-hmm. Study Bible, that, that summary ch- chart there. I mean, just try to picture yourself if you have heard that a loved one or a neighbor or a stranger in your, your, your town, you know, a man who couldn't walk his whole life. And let's say he's 20, 25 years of age. because The ages aren't given in the scriptures except for a couple of the situations. And like, and I was like, Whoa, Jim, Jim can walk now. Right. I mean, right. I, how did that happen? Oh, gee, Oh, well, that guy's teaching. He had the, the big, you know, the big thing on the mount on the side, that guy, that guy that the scribes and Pharisees are, are all attacking lately. Um, I mean, just try to, try, we have the joy of looking back because we're, we, we're New Testament people, right? We already have the resurrection. We have the, the certainty of our resurrection and his resurrection. But try to picture real time during these three years of earthly ministry of, wow, this person got here. I mean, they've been longing for something to get right. And here comes Jesus and, he, and his compassion. We'll get that compassion word later as well. Yep. In his compassion, he heals them. And, you know, our, our Lord is a gracious Lord. You know, he's, he's with us. And he, he demonstrates that in these healings in addition to showing his authority. What I like also, as you're saying, that pops in my mind, as you said, if you look at all the miracles on this page five ninety or 1596 in the Lutheran Study Bible, it really brings up, like you said, this is being passed along by word of mouth. Like, hey, how come, uh, how come that guy is is no longer having leprosy? Well, that's amazing. I heard Bill. Bill had it for three years. He only had it for a few days. Whatever the situation might be, but think about how rumors start, and you usually go something like, "I heard this person did this." They did, and it usually is not positive. Like. If someone breaks a record, they're like, wow, they broke a record. Boom, end of story. But if it's like juicy gossip, I mean, that stuff gets passed around <laughs> like crazy. And here we see the it's all like this is miracle stuff. Yes, there were Pharisees and others trying to say he was a prince of demons or stuff like that. But overall, people are hearing all these good things and it's gathering a crowd. And so that to me, that's a distinction, too, of how we normally are. And how it definitely is is showing a different story here as well. That God is, Jesus didn't come and just do a few things. He did a lot of things. And there's, uh, let's see, listed 36 miracles here. And as you said, there's many, many more that we don't even know about. But pastor, you know what? I just realized I need to, we need to take our break. It is that time. So we are studying Matthew chapter 9 with Pastor John Zimmerman. And we will be right back. Take a look around you. Look closely. 
Immigrants in the United States and their U.S.-born children now number about 81 million people, or 26% of the population. So chances are, there's someone right in your community who doesn't speak English as a first language and who doesn't know Jesus. The Lutheran Heritage Foundation can help by providing you with free Lutheran books translated into over 90 languages. See their complete list of catechisms and Bible storybooks at lhfmissions.org. And welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 9 with Pastor John Zimmerman of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and also of St. John Lutheran Church in Pittston, Pennsylvania. And one more that I've forgotten. Say, say the name of the third church you serve, Pastor. Uh, the third church is St. Stephen's. That's of the SELC district oh. in Dixon City, Pennsylvania. Dixon City. Dixon City, you said? Pennsylvania. Yeah, Dixon City, Pennsylvania. Wonderful. It's the uh, first bur- borough beyond us. It's about three miles away. It's not too far. Wow. So, you know, I'd encourage our listeners, too, whenever we have a guest that maybe haven't had before, look them up on Google Maps or whatever map you use. Uh, I just find it fascinating to see how, how different it is in different parts of the world. And that area is beautiful. Um, Pennsylvania and going to New England and all that. What a beautiful area and what a comfort it is to know that God's word is being proclaimed. So, Pastor, we haven't even read. We read them, but we haven't dug into the, the verses yet. So I'm ready to start digging in here. Are you ready? I'm ready, Pastor Finner. All Let's right. Go do it. We are reading from the English Standard Version, and we are starting at verse 32 of Matthew chapter 9 as we look at Jesus again. We'll read verses 32 through 34. As they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. So, Pastor, right now we have a... a it's interesting, the, the people that, how you call it, kind of... Um, that kind of bubble to the top. These are the people that start coming. And right now, this is a unique combination, is that you have a demon-possessed man, or oppressed man, excuse me, who was mute. To this point, whenever you see someone demon-oppressed or possessed, they they can't help but proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God. But here he's mute. How, what else do you want to highlight in these verses? Yeah, the, I mean, they'll, they'll say, hey, hey, Jesus, what do you have to do with us? Yeah, right, right. Other right. other moments, but but here we see the demon oppressing uh, people, also included, making them quiet. Ah, so yeah, good point. so that's that's a different disability. We don't we don't think about as much right now, uh, particularly here in twenty twenty two. Right, we take it for granted to be able to type up messages and zip them across the globe with satellites carrying not just text but pictures and videos. You know, we were just joking about you know social media before, and and the fact that I'm talking to you on a cell phone from here in Pennsylvania because I have a clearer connection over the air than on a wire, uh, but they didn't even have fathomed this kind of technology we have. But so being unable to speak would be horrible. Mm. If you don't have a bunch of notebooks to go and jot down words and such, this is way way before sign languages development. And so Jesus heals this man, and note how this man, again, immediate healing, 
he's able to speak. There's no speech therapy. It's not like when someone to deal with some of our beloved that deal with strokes and such. You know, we're not we're not dealing with trying to get some function back. No, it's immediately the man is speaking. And you get these crowds marveling at that. Like, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. And you can't help but think it's not just the isolated miracles here. But like we were highlighting the 36 listed on 1596 in Lutheran Study Bible and such. But, you know, they, they've heard of the healings. They've seen the healings. And, and I don't know about you, but if I saw someone I knew who could not speak for multiple years, to be able to speak in perfect grammar would be mind-boggling. Hmm. And that's why they marveled at this. And, and, and the crowds make the good confessions. They never was anything like this seen in Israel. But, of course, we got our friends, the Pharisees, and look who they give credit to. James, he, Jesus, cast out demons by the prince of demons, by the devil. I mean, the crowds had it right, and the Pharisees were, oh, so, so wrong. And this is early in Matthew's gospel. This is not the first time to hear of scribes and Pharisees being against Jesus. I mean, he's going to deal with them throughout his three-year ministry, that they're just kind of sniping on the side. Um, but again, what marvel at that authority of Jesus. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to, you know, put a, put a shoulder back in, right? Pop that back in or, or I mean, I'm not here to rate the, the miracles. They're all amazing. But, you know, he's not just physical. He's not getting the verbal covered. That's, that's pretty sweet. But I, I really wish, I really wish that uh, the Pharisees would have been like the crowds because note how the crowds, again, said, never was anything like this seen in Israel. And indeed, there were some miracles and signs completed back in the Old Testament day. I mean, Moses and Elijah come to mind. Yet remember, that was their following God's directive and God showing his might. But here you have Jesus, God in the flesh, right? God incarnate, doing all of this healing. He doesn't ask God for permission or help to do it because he's God himself. And look at the number of the healings and the variety of the healings to really show his complete ultimate authority. So it's interesting. So that's... Um, yeah, no, that is that is it, it is is fascinating to to think about how people reacted because you really have a number of voices. First, you have the voice of the the mute man, and then you you do wish. There's times we wish God's word had more to say. Like, what was the reaction of this person's friends? Like, oh wow, hey, you know, uh, Jojo there is now speaking. What, what what let's let's talk about this. How did this happen? What did he say? You know, was he proclaiming the word of God? We just don't know. And then um, the crowd starts speaking, and they kind of get it right. You know, never has this been seen in Israel. Like I, like you said, it's just there, of course God's been at work, but never anything like this. So they kind of you know whether or not it's a faith statement or not, I'm not sure, but it definitely is on the right realm. And then you get the Pharisees who get it completely wrong. Um, and this happens in Matthew chapter 12 too, right? Where it's like, oh, he must be from Beelzebul. And Jesus is like, <laughs> yeah. he, he's probably sick of it by then. He's just like, listen, it doesn't make sense that I would cast out a demon if I was a demon. I mean, this is this is totally, Pastor, just because you're from Scranton, this is a totally great episode for the office it would have been. Like, 
let's do the Dawes statement of the year. That's what's happening. But here, Jesus is patient or something. I'm not sure what's happening. But right now, it's just an obvious statement of it's clearly not him because why would he take out the demon? Because the goal of the demon is to oppress. And why would he take away the oppression? That makes no sense. So a lot of this is left with what is going on and, and the people are confused, but we have the whole picture. So any other thoughts on the healing and uh, and the people's reactions in those verses? Yeah, I mean, we, I mean the Bible's big enough as it is, and sometimes <laughs> I wish there were a couple more volumes in there, the feedback, but, but that's okay. I mean, we're given what we're needed and, and a joy to have that. But uh, just a lasting thought on all of these healings and such before we go to the second part of the pericope is we must always remember this fact, and we're not popular to confess this fact that I'm going to give here. There's a trigger warning for you that Jesus has power over matter because he made matter, the stuff of life. He was there at the creation when God made everything, including all the atoms, and all the, all the carbon, all the iron, all the stuff, all the stuff, right? Jesus has power over this because he made it, right? It was through him everything was made in John 1, and then that double negative, you know, was not anything made that was not made, right? Uh, drives the English teachers nuts when you, when you read John 1. <laughs> it's true. But uh, to really make that emphasis to come through. And, and so it's on full display. So... You know, he's showing the power of creation and recreating and making it better, right? Right? You know, putting it whole again. And notes how the Pharisees are going after him. He's the devil. And this is so sad. It's like rejoice with us that healings are coming. And I don't know about you, but when I deal with non-believers, some of the, the more militant ones, think with, well, with the adjectives that are militant, I mean, they're, they're angry. Like we're, we're trying to show them the joy of the restoration that Jesus is bringing. And, and we pray for the Holy Spirit to soften hearts, including modern-day Pharisees. So as you look at this, it does bring up in mind a question that I think is good for us because it all comes back to young people and confirmation because they always have a question. You're just like, wow, I wonder if I thought about that. And then a lot of times I can bring that to like, to a adult Bible study or, or visiting people, and you kind of like, what do you think of this question? And they're like, wow, I never thought of it either. So then you're all like, well, what the heck's going on here? I mean, the eighth graders are getting everything right as far as questions. And, and for me, when you look at this, it does bring up a good question that I think all young people have because there's a fascination with evil and good, light and darkness, demon oppression or maybe possession, over the last 15 years, I would say, movies and, and different ideas and um, uh, fascination with the young people. So right here, uh, you know, we can kind of get assumed that the devil and Jesus are kind of fighting, fighting man, oh man, you know, they're uh, mano y mano kind of thing. But here, I think we see a different reality in scripture. How would you describe that to a confirmand? Well, let alone the rest of the people. When you talk about, well, you know, does the devil have the same power, or where is the devil in this whole spectrum? Well, the devil has power, but I, mean, I came from you know, Indiana, Michigan. We, we play euchre, right? And, 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 and I mean, Jesus trumps the devil every time. Nice, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and so, 
but we have to remind ourselves that we are dealing with spiritual warfare and that there's things we don't see that are being affecting us. And, but we know that the Lord is with us. The Lord sends angels to protect us. Um, He shields us, you know, some of the fiery darts, the shield language Luther likes to use. And, um, but as we deal with this, You know, listen, we have the ending. It's, it's kind of weird, right? It's the now, but not yet. Mm-hmm. And we, we know we're on our way to heaven. But in the meantime, like, we're called to remain faithful, to keep pointing to the victor and keep pointing to God. And that even if the most crazy stuff happens to us, that the devil's trying to throw, I mean, think like a Job moment, right? Of all, all the stuff happens to that poor man in the Old Testament. But it's yet, he'll say, yet in my flesh, I will still see God. Uh, you will destroy my flesh. Even if you destroy my flesh, O oh devil, you still can't kill me. Because I'm eternal in this victor. I'm eternal in Jesus. And um, it's a little too heady for the, the conference. Actually, most, my conference were spot on. The 16 I got to work with, they were uh, so far. I mean, they are, I think because they're, they're diving into the scriptural truths we have, particularly the creed, um, especially when we get to the second article of that. I mean, God, the Holy Spirit is showering them <laughs> during that yeah. time. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I necessarily answered your question, uh, but I think you um, have to remember there's a warfare going on, but note that we can look at these miracles, we can look at the teachings, and chiefly the ultimate miracle, Christ's own resurrection, if you would. Um, I mean, that, that ultimate act of proving that death cannot contain him and you can trust him, um, that's, that's key for all of us. And that's the joy of, I think, Matthew 8 and 9, is that all we need to hear is that Jesus has all authority because what we see, like you're saying, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on in the world but when we, when we see the world, we're like, Jesus has no control. But when we look at 8 and 9, we realize that Jesus does have us all under control. It's just not the way that we would have control. It's not the way that a normal king would have power or use his power. It is God who is at work. And, and, the, and yeah, we're in the now, not yet. That there will be a day where, you know, there will be no more demon oppression. There will be no more illness. And the, even the thought of uh, demons, uh, prince of demons being around is completely gone, and that's when Christ returns at the final resurrection. So, Pastor, I want to spend our next about 12 minutes of our time on this last portion. We've heard it quite a bit, and I think it's something for us very... It shows us, it shows us who Christ is, it shows us who God is, and it shows us the need that they had then, and guess what? That we still have today. So, verses 35 to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So as we look at this pastor, we, we see Jesus continuing to do his thing, and he kind of, this is a transition from um, 
what he's been doing to the next portion of Matthew. And I think it's one that we really need to highlight. How do you want to highlight these verses? Well, I'll just kind of take them by verse or, or couplets for these final verses. Yeah. So that first verse 35, just I hear it again as we dive into it. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. So note the order of operations here. You know, Jesus is on the move. You know, the gospel isn't static. It doesn't stay in one town or port. I mean, he keeps going. And the word keeps getting shared. And it's teaching in the synagogues, those little congregations throughout the region. He's proclaiming the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. Then it's healing every disease and affliction that you know comes across the situation. So it's teaching, then healing. Both are important, yet there is an order to it. And I, I don't think that's by accident. You know, it's teach and preach and then heal. And while we just did that overview for our context into eight and nine of all the healings that are listed there, um, and note that the healings keep going on, but they're, they're not going to be as highlighted anymore. Mm-hmm. He's going to, there's other things to be done. Then we go to verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now there's that compassion term and, of those that like the original Greek, there's that swaknixomai, mm. that, that word that President Harrison loves to expound on, and some of us love to say from the from the pulpit, like, yeah, I, I went through that class. Hey, we can share this with you. And But what's this word, swaknixomai? That's that, that deep pity, that compassion that comes from down in the gut. Right? You know, you got to think about, you know, if you've got kids or, or if you know of kids or, you know, someone's hurt. You know, that, that deep, that deep compassion. That's that Swachnik so my compassion. And, and why does Jesus have this deep compassion for the crowd? Well, St. Matthew writes it there. So they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Y'all like sheep have gone astray, everyone his own way. Right? We need the shepherd to keep us where we need to go. Then he connects this with our final our final verses. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is a constant prayer of the church to raise new workers for the kingdom. And yes, this is talking about pastors, those men called to proclaim God's word and administer his sacraments according to God's word. And that's why pastors are often called under shepherds, that is, Shepherds under the authority, there's that word again, of the chief good shepherd, Jesus. So faithful under shepherds for the crowds help to feed and protect the sheep, God's people. So they're not helpless when a faithful under shepherd is there, tending to them with the gifts from God in his word and sacrament. And that's why vacancies, particularly prolonged ones, are so dreadful. Like the rhythm of pastoral care that God instituted is thrown off for a time in our fallen world. But I must add this, and I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Pastor Finner. Uh, it must be said that you know the laborers aren't just pastors, but fellow believers that go and share the word of God on. And they do this with their family, their friends, their coworkers, as they get to know them. And yes, the former 
state government employee in Illinois, Indiana, and Michigan, all three states out there. I know that some employment regulations can definitely get in the way of sharing the gospel. Hmm. Yet we take the opportunities as they come. And I pray for anyone that's under those shields of those HR rules and, and things we deal with in our secular world. But this is one example I, I like to share in my pre-seminary days. When I was in Illinois, my grandmother died. And you typically get the sweet words of consolation. We're, we're glad that her suffering is over, her fight is done, you know, things like that. You know, you appreciate the sentiment, but you know how they, they're doing these ending words, right? You know, the suffering's over, fight's over, you know, she's done. I'm like, well, not, not quite. Uh, yes, her suffering's over, but she's eternal. She, she rests with Jesus and will receive her eternal body soon enough in heaven. You know, I and all believing Christians will see her again. Now, to be fair, I might have gone get some HR regulations there, yet particularly at the time of death of your loved ones. Right. Those are great opportunities to share the gospel, even around the water cooler on the clock. But our closest neighbors are our family our family and friends. And it's not always comfortable, and I and all pastors deal with families and our own friends that don't all agree on the faith. Yet they are our local mission field. You don't have to go to Africa to share the gospel. We do it in our homes, on our porches, in our backyards. But, um, and he, one of those, he spends all this time proving that he's the one who's going to bear bear our, our illnesses. You know, he quotes Isaiah 53. And he goes proving that that he has authority over all these things. And at the end, it's almost like, well, what should we do? Obviously, we need more workers in the kingdom. And it's kind of like looking at Jesus and going, okay, now what? And they realize <laughs> yeah. how helpless they are. And he gives us a simple instruction. I mean, it's a simple instruction that... I, we all fail at. What should we do? Pray to the one who's proven his authority. Pray to the one who has proven that he will provide, and pray that he'll send out laborers into his harvest. It sounds so simple, Pastor. I mean, this is simple stuff. Um, why is it so hard for us to do it? Because we think we're too smart. <laughs> you know, I, I try to share at Bible class a lot and chat. You know, over a brew of tea or a beer, or whatever. Uh, you know, the, the gospel is simple yet profound, right? You know, you know, Christ is shown strong in our weakness. Well, that doesn't look like strength, right? I mean, it's the op- opposite. So, you know, we're, we're, we're too used to scheming and, and trying to put a plan together, right? In the proper term of the word scheme, right? You know, it's trying to, like, how do I, how do I grow this place or how do I, you know, do this, that. Well, have we checked the playbook, the Bible? Do we do what's in there or do we outsource it to the world? And if we outsource it to the world, it's going to fail, right? That's the shifting sand of Matthew 7. Because we need to build ourselves on the rock, on the word, on, on Christ. But when we start to, when, when he's clear, you definitely got to follow him. <laughs> it's, so, so we pray for this, and and, and, and he will provide. And, and just speaking of labor, few before our time comes to a close, I mean, in local context, you know, we've got several congregations in our circuit that don't have their own full-time pastor around. Yeah. 
Yeah. And sadly, some of those congregations, most aren't calling as they can't currently afford a pastor with their small number. So as we continue to walk together in the gospel here and throughout the world, I hope that folks will be open to meeting at other times than Sunday prime time at 9 or 10 in the morning. Uh, I mean, I'm glad Pittston meets at 8 and Dixon City, they meet at 4 p.m. If we got to go to circuit riders throughout the week like the old days, well, we got a lot nicer roads and vehicles now. We're not on horseback. <laughs> but let's keep, uh, let's keep sharing the gospel as much as we can where we can. And, and we see that, we see the need that Jesus points out, right? The harvest is plentiful. Uh, he uses harvest language. You'll get it as you walk through Matthew about the end times of the world together uh, when he calls us all home to heaven. You know, we, we long for a full harvest. We want heaven to be full. Right? It's not limited to 144,000. It's, it's, it's boundless. And I love that in Revelation of St. John when he says, like, I can't number the people before the throne, before the Lamb. Mm. And what a glorious day that'll be and, and how joyous it is to be a called under shepherd like you are and like I am to, to share that on. But all baptized Christians are called to share the gospel and the joy to strengthen them and help them with questions they have. And um, like I tried to explain in Bible class, if, if someone's got a question you don't know the answer to, well, that's what I'm here for, to help you. Right. And we're, we're local specialists for you. And the joy that Jesus doesn't leave us alone and the joy we gather in circuits and districts in our synod here in the United States and then our, our brothers and sisters around the world um, to be united in the word is great joy. And this is where, well, first of all, I've never heard it Sunday prime time, nine or 10 o'clock in the morning. I think that's a lot of truth to that, that we kind of are like, well, you know, my church, we always did it at nine o'clock and we continue to do it. And then, and then a church needs a pastor and they're like, I'm not giving up the nine o'clock spot or giving up the nine thirty or 10 o'clock spot. And what a joy it is to hear of a church that's going to wait till four o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday. Um, because the word is that important. And that's my encouragement, well, one, for me to pray for myself to be flexible, if you will, and for the church. This is my prayer now, is how can we be, I don't know, flexible is not the right word, but maybe it is, that we're open to saying, when can I hear the gospel and to make that a priority? That is, that is a very important aspect for us. And I want to I go back to this. We have about a minute and a half left in our time. When it says that Jesus had compassion for them, like, like you said, that's a, a feeling almost down to the gut, a, a love for, down to the gut. Um, why is that important for us as we look at everything that Jesus does, the healings, the, um, uh, the preaching, everything that he did? Why is it important that we hear those words, that Jesus had compassion on them um, for us today? It's a great question to end our time together, and it just reminds me, you know, John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Right? This is this is evidence of His love. Right? His, it's nice to hear the description. You know, you were saying earlier with those miracles, you you wish the the Bible was longer to have the you know the you know the the report. Well, here we actually have a report, the description of this love of Jesus that it's right. that splat next to my that deep gut compassion. But this is the type of love our creator, redeemer, God has for you. That's just ultimate comfort. 
notwithstanding anything you're dealing with. And, you know, we're just two men talking on the phone here today. Um, those listening, I don't, if you're facing some tough stuff ahead, we can't know what it is. We're not clairvoyant, but know that the Lord is with you always. And this is the type of tough, ultimate love he has for you. That he's got that splock mix, oh my, for you. A deep compassion. And that's, it's great comfort for me when I, when I see that, that word pop up in our study. So pastor short slogan, our words today, what would you say? Words today, uh, short slogan, I would say Jesus is the ultimate healer and teacher. And he is the chief shepherd and he will always be there for you. Pastor John Zimmerman of St. John Lutheran Church in Pittston, Pennsylvania, and Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Scranton, Pennsylvania, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 9. Pastor Zimmerman, it was a joy to have you for the first time, and thank you for bringing us his gifts. God bless you, Pastor Finneran. A joy to be with you, and blessings on your ministry. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. <music>